Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Welcome to the podcast. So thanks for listening from wherever you are across the world. We have a very special guest, a, a, a colleague in many ways, both on the production side and on the training teaching side that I've known for quite a few years, Tom Kazoyan. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Craig. You bet. Uh, and a lot of fun in conversation because it's uh, two, two, uh, two veterans talking about, uh, on one side of the coin, talking about production, te- techniques and strategies, et cetera. Uh, and on the other side, uh, how do you teach uh, those uh, techniques and strategies, principles to young people, usually young people? Mm-hmm. Uh, my my uh, wheelhouse is 16 to 30-year-olds, and I would think, Tom, yours is about the same. Yeah, you know what? It's changing all the time, though. Is it getting younger, older, or how's that go? Well, you know, I have, I have a history. I have a lot of experience teaching sort of high school, college. Um, but I find uh, in especially workshops, mobile kinds of stuff, they're older people wanting to know how to do it. Okay. All right. Nothing wrong with that. And, and, uh, and we'll talk about uh, the principles of taking good pictures and, and all of that as, as we go. Tom is what we call in uh, the industry a hyphenate, a hyphenate. You don't see that quite as much as, as you used to, uh, although maybe it's coming back because in some ways with, with uh, budgets getting cut in their own way uh, or getting streamlined, which is uh, basically a nice way of saying there is no budget. Uh, <laughs> you have to be able to wear a lot of hats. And he's a writer, producer, director, cameraman, editor. I have done all of those things. And I believe that they all flow together well because one skill helps you to become good at another skill. The more editing I did, the better director I became, which meant the better cameraman I became because there was nobody else to blame for the shots but me. Yeah. So then yeah, you absolutely. start thinking, you start thinking, how do I um, shoot that scene? Is that the same for you? Yeah. And, th- and that's the advice I give people too. Yeah. Um, I, you learn, yeah. When you're editing a scene and you don't have the shot you need. Yeah. You have no one to blame, but yourself if you're the director and it gives you an advantage when you're thinking through coverage in a scene, for instance, either in a narrative film or a documentary, a news story or whatever, the editor is always looking for some new interesting angle. And if, if the director didn't give it to them, they feel, you know, creatively frustrated and maybe the story suffers. So it's, it's good to, it's good to know how to do all those things. Even if you don't end up focusing your whole career on one of those that, you know, some people do end up focusing, but others of us seem to dabble in all sorts of things. Absolutely. You know, I, I went to do a little bit of research before our podcast interview, which is always a smart thing to do. So you know how to hopefully ask uh, good questions and pertinent questions. And there was something that I found that Tom had written. There's two things that wake me up in the morning. One of them, he said, is co- to collaborate with others and do visual stories. And the other thing that ma- wakes you up, Tom, according to how you stated it, was uh, was w- energizing storytellers, empowering them. Is that about right? Yeah, I think so. And I I guess it works at all sorts of levels now. I find that I'm at the stage in my career, you know, you and I, we've been doing this for a lot of years. And you can either feel like you're being left behind, like you aren't the cool young kid anymore, 
or you can embrace the opportunity and say, you know what, I'm going to now experience it with emerging filmmakers or storytellers and get excited about that. Because of your being a veteran and being older, do you have any kind of pushback from younger people that think of you as, uh, as not contemporary and that, that, aren't, that, that you wouldn't be current and so they don't want to listen to you or do they soak it up like a sponge? The, the context that I teach, I've never had that kind of pushback. I've, I have like in the high school online classes that I've taught, screenwriting, filmmaking, um, those students are really eager to learn anything and they appreciate, they look at me like I'm some you know, famous person, even though I'm not. Um, because I'm the only person they've ever, you know, who's an adult who's talked to them of it, who's done the kinds of things I've done. I, what I haven't done and what I, honestly, what I, where I think, where I fear I would run into that is if I was just out in the freelance world. If I moved to Los Angeles and said, I'm going to go be a DP in Hollywood, you know, they would look at me and say, your reel's kind of old, you aren't hip. And uh, I, I perceive that. I've not had that happen to me, fortunately. I've been very blessed. Very, very good. Now, you, how did, I know that you got a, a bachelor's, so you earned a bachelor's degree from uh, my mom and dad's alma mater, Vanguard University uh, mm-hmm. in California, Orange County, that has a wonderful film, TV, communications, media uh, degree uh, program. And wh- where did you start after you got your degree? Uh, I, you know, that's in Orange County, and that's home for me. And I just started freelancing. I I worked for the Orange County Department of Education first, graveyard shift, shooting title graphics off easels. Uh, that was my first glamorous job out of film school. It sounds and, glamorous. Yeah, it was great. You know, graveyard all, all night, there were like three of us in the studios, but we had studios. So we had actually access to good equipment, multiple studios, um, multi-cameras kinds of stuff. And we also shot a lot of single camera. Then I moved after about a year there and went to work for a production company that was doing marketing communications. So we did TV commercials and product introductions for trade shows and sort of everything. Uh, So there was a mix of kind of creative work with TV commercials and more sort of not so glamorous stuff with training and things like that. And then I became a freelancer pretty quick after that, but I didn't, I didn't range very far. I, I kind of stayed in that world where I could be kind of, uh, I could wear a lot of hats and learn a lot of things and express my technical and creative skills in different ways. Did you do that still based in Orange County? Yeah. Yeah. So I was based in Orange County and I did that for about 15 years before I moved to Colorado to join a ministry out here. Um, having been based in, in Orange County myself, uh, and in LA, I found that in, uh, for those of you uh, listening across the world, LA County is, is very, very large and Orange County, maybe about a third of the size, just to kind of give you some proportions there. It's funny in LA County, um, you could be on the far, far stretches, even to Ventura County, uh, Thousand Oaks, Camarillo, really far away and still considered part of LA. Valencia, which is way up north, Right. Well, as soon as you go to Orange County, which is southeast of L.A. County, it's almost like you have entered another world. It was the orange curtain that they used to talk. I don't know now. Yeah, I still think they call it. And it's like once you have a (laughs) 714 area code back then, which is what I have, and or a 949, it's like, oh, you're too far away. When actually you might be way closer to a job in Long Beach or downtown L.A., 
than you would be out in Thousand Oaks or Valencia. It's funny, right. it's perception. So, so what I'm saying here to all the people that are thinking about freelancing, your location many times does uh, impact the amount of work you, you get and also the perception. Did you ever run into that at all? You know, we tended, because I was working with a production company that was sort of a marketing communications company too. So we did, you know, start to finish productions, marketing, communication kinds of things. So we had corporate clients directly that we served as sort of an agency for. And then we also had a post facility and production facility that we would, you know, we would do work for hire for other indie producer types. Um, and so it was kind of a mix. I didn't really feel that because I sort of had a, I had kind of a good gig. I, I had as w more work than I needed and I didn't ever have to be out in the freelance world, but I knew that if I wanted to go into some other phase of the industry, like if I wanted to be in Hollywood, I had to move to Hollywood, you know, right. I wasn't going to get a job. Um, it made me, I never had a dream to go to Hollywood. It made me really happy to be able to do anything I wanted at a, at a pretty decent level um, once in a while with a decent budget. Um, and just to kind of live the life I wanted to live creatively um, without getting pigeonholed in Hollywood, where I, I would have had more, more pressure to decide on who I was. Like, I'm a cameraman, I'm an editor, I'm a whatever. Um, I enjoyed the freedom of doing a lot of different things. And once I began freelancing, then I was developing my own projects with my own company, and I just had a lot of flexibility. And that kind of fits my personality more. Great conversation with filmmaker Tom Kazoyan. We'll be back in 32 seconds. This podcast features engaging conversations with leaders, artists, and creatives sharing about current trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. Today's episode is produced by Matchstick Media International, a nonprofit that's passionate about inspiring both visionary leaders and young creatives to harness the power of media to further the gospel. To learn more, visit us at matchstickmedia.org. Now, back to Craig. Welcome back to this great conversation with Tom Kazoyan. Can you, you backtrack for just a second and talk about pigeon, uh, pigeonholing in the sense of once you get known for something, that's, that's who you are, that's what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's a good and bad thing. Now, Hollywood, the, the huge benefit of big projects in a Hollywood kind of system and not to say Holly, you know, it could be Vancouver. It could be anywhere. Um, Atlanta now. Um, the specialization gives people really high level of skill. And so when I'm doing a big project, <clears throat> excuse me, when I've done bigger projects, I have really valued specialists who knew how to do one thing really, really well. Now they usually knew how to do other things, but it was their thing that they were hired for. And as a producer or director, that was a massive benefit to me because it's like, I just wanted someone who I could just completely trust. Yeah. Otherwise, if I'm working with no budget and I'm scrounging around and the people that I have aren't necessarily that specialized or that experienced, my tendency is to micromanage and feel all the stress because I don't, I can't release very well to just say, oh, I trust the sound guy's getting it. You know, I'm gonna wanna put the headphones on and test stuff. That's my tendency. <laughs> Cause so I, I can be a control freak, but I love the specialization. And it, but it can also be a pigeonholing in the sense that if you don't want to be just that one thing, you have other kinds of interests, then it, you can get sort of stuck. It's like an actor being typecast. Sure. How do you get out of that? 
it's a benefit because you get lots of work if you're a sound recordist and you're known and you're good and people want you. But if you really want to be a director, you may have a hard time breaking out of that in that network of relationships. They may never think of you as anything else. So that's the downside. There's good and bad things about it. An example uh, of that would be Tim Allen, the actor who's known because he had a, um, a comedy career, which is a great way to get into sitcoms, uh, to become a famous comedian. And they'll, they'll fashion a sitcom for you, or you'll go uh, with another producer, creative producer, and, and pitch it and like, this is what I'm going to do. And he's had two great sitcoms, but his, he was never ever able to become a film actor, a film star. He's had a, a few films but he went back to what he's known for and what he's good at. But he has the, um, the luxury, so to speak, of being paid well for what he does, but he will never probably get out of being a sitcom star. And that's true for a lot of actors. Um, character actors, great example. I've said that character actors can have a much longer career than a star can. Because mm -hmm. the star, uh, stars, uh, the light of that star goes up and it goes down and then they're gone, especially action stars, really hard. There's probably only five guys, maybe 10, uh, and a few women that are action stars, but the character actors, I mean, we've had a, a few character actors, Tom, that have passed away recently, and they had 50, 60 year careers, and sure. they were in all kinds of parts. And I've always thought, I think I'd rather be a character actor because each part's different, unless you always play the cop. You right. Know, you always get the call <laughs> to be the cop. So, well, and, I, and I think that uh, being the flavor of the month has its real downsides. You know, some of us, like in the age of influencers, a lot of people angle for that, right? That's my dream is to become viral. My dream is to become an influencer. So YouTube, you know, pays me money to do whatever I want to do on YouTube. But, you know, you, you man, talk about getting pigeonholed. You know, um, there's a downside to getting, becoming famous for that one gag or that one role or that one look. You know, if you're a hunky, romantic, you know, star or whatever, or, or you know, women I think have dealt with this much more than men, um, depending on the genre of films that are out. And it's hard, it's hard to break out of that. But it's, you know, we sometimes we dream of that of being that big breakout hit and sometimes it may be better to have a long slow growing career um for the stability and just the freedom it offers so you were so many years 15 years or, or so in orange county but you moved to colorado and the group that i remember this is when we first got to know each other maybe 20 years ago or so was with uh, something called the caleb project right mm -hmm. yep Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I had been, this is kind of my, again, more my backstory. You know, I was, I was a filmmaker, but as I think about like, you know, yes, the, when you're in college or whatever, you say, you know, what is God's will for my life and everything. And I had always had an interest in uh, travel, cross-cultural kinds of stuff, but I never thought of myself, you know, I wasn't one of those guys who grew up in the church thinking I'm going to be a missionary, for instance. Um, because those are people, those are crazy people who can live for 40 years translating some unintelligible language, you know, or some other kind of odd skill like that, but not a filmmaker. And I took, um, I took a course, uh, called perspectives on the world Christian movement. And my wife and I took it together and it sort of opened our eyes to opportunities to serve kingdom service 
um, with many different job skills. And ultimately, I got connected. I had already done some freelance work, uh, documentary shooting uh, in Asia and different places and was getting paid for that. So it was kind of a cool gig. But the way God wired me is I am kind of a, I'm a polymath or a hybrid, you know, you could call it. I like to learn new things and I can function at a pretty high level uh, in a lot of different aspects of filmmaking. So it, it, you know, documentary filmmaking fit for me. Um, and I also like cross-cultural stuff. I like to travel. I have a high tolerance for flexibility. I think, Craig, you probably have that as well to be, if, you know, to do documentary work or reality TV or to do anything that is not in a studio. You just have to have a, you have to be good with ambiguity and flex and things going wrong all the time. So you, you uh, almost have to, you almost have to expect that it's going to go wrong. Right. It becomes, it's like, doesn't, and, and I, I can, I'm pretty chill, you know, on the outside with that kind of stuff. And so I began just sort of asking the Lord the question, well, what does that, what does that mean for me? You know? Uh, and I didn't really feel like I wanted to go into Hollywood narrative filmmaking directly. At the same time I was doing some stuff. I began, I got some, some work writing, producing, directing some series stuff. Uh, and, uh, but then I discovered this organization called Caleb Project, and their, their task was uh, mobilizing Christians for the completion of world evangelization. And so the idea was telling stories of places where Jesus was not known and bringing them back to show the church wherever. And so I joined the media department at Caleb Project in 1998-99. We moved to Colorado to be a part of a team. And we had a team of people and we were going out to these crazy places, uh, you know, Afghanistan and Indonesia and India and China and Myanmar and everything and shooting documentaries and telling stories about people groups where there was no church, you know, no Christians, that kind of a thing. And that appealed to me because it was kind of off on the edge and adventure and um, but had a significant value to me as a visual, as a creative storyteller. And so that's what I originally moved out here to do. Got it. You know, um, you're talking about all the different places that you've shot. I, I see or have read that you've shot in 35 countries and it may be, it may be more than that now. Yeah. You know what we end up, I don't have, I'm not quite as wide, wide ranging as you, Craig, um, in terms of the variety, because a number of the places I've been to, you know, four five, six times. So I'm having to sort of, try to figure out how to reframe my own identity. Am I a world traveler or am I something else? <laughs> what an interesting conversation we're having with filmmaker Tom Kazoyan. Join us in the next episode and we'll learn more and uh, continue this interview. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.